0: everyone and welcome to the positive talk podcast with co hosts julie homridge and chuck allen they are in season two merging faith and psychology and you picked a great day to join in the conversation at positive talk podcast a licensed therapist and a pastor join voices to help us all discover a more peaceful and purpose-filled life so settle in and join julie and chuck for this week's episode of the positive talk podcast
1: Hi, everybody. It's a great day to find an encouraging and positive word here at the Positive Talk podcast. And thanks so much for the introduction. Today, Julie, we're jumping off into the topic of hope.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hope. It is, is hope something we either have or we don't? Or is it possible to actually build hope? Hmm. I mean, I think that's a fair question that yeah. many people are trying to wrap their head right. around. Hope is directly related, though, to our sense of this word I love, possibility. Yeah. There's, there is a possibility, mm-hmm. and in most of our cases, a probability that there could be a better outcome, mm-hmm. right? So the greater our perception of possibilities, the greater our hope. Right. Like the most constricted view of possibility, of course, then gets to hopelessness or despair. Right. So hope isn't the same as like... Uh, silly happiness where you're just playing a role. Mm-hmm. And it's not blind optimism where it's like everything will work out. Right. Uh, it's it's what we feel when we think that life is worth living, that our work is worth doing. Mm-hmm. Hope is what we have when we have a positive relationship within our existence. Wow. And it's the deepest of the three emotions, happiness, optimism. They, they don't really exist without hope. But hope, can exist without happiness and certainly without blind optimism where you just kind of assume, well, you know what, the world's going to solve it and it'll work out. Mm -hmm. Hope answers the question, though, and I see this a ton in my work, well, why should I Bother.
0: bother. Yeah. I find this such a fascinating topic to discuss, Chuck, because, you know, every week we share these faith filled and research tested principles for change right. here on the Positive Talk podcast. But unless we have a bit of hope that things can actually change, yeah. we may as well be talking to a brick wall. Right. Right. I mean, I think hope is what moves theory into
1: action. Ooh, it, that, that's tweetable. Hope is what moves theory into Into action. I love that. action, yeah.
0: And it allows us to move, to to personalize things, to move from, well, maybe that worked for them to this idea of and and this belief of, I really truly believe this Mm -hmm. could work for me. Yeah. And I know the faith world talks a lot about hope, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's the core essence of a Christian faith. Yeah. And I think if you looked at every other faith system in the world, there's a measure of hope Mm -hmm. connected to it, that Mm -hmm. there is something better out there than what we know. In the Bible, uh, a a letter that was written by a guy named Paul, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, speaking of of God, and the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people. I think it's interesting that a a piece of work written thousands of years ago Mm -hmm. says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know hope. It That sounds like it could have been written today. Yeah. But it was written in a time in which the world truly had very little hope.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it transcends generations, right, for sure, that right. need for hope.
1: So Jesus, even in, just in the Christian faith, is referred to as our living hope. Mm-hmm. In Romans, the, uh, the writer says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. hope. Yeah. So, uh, when, when I see this happen often in Christian people, Julie, where they get stuck in life mm-hmm. and they feel like there is no hope. Yeah. But then they have this overwhelming sense of guilt that kind of watches over them that, wow, as a Christian, I'm supposed to have hope.
0: Hmm. You know,
1: but. You know, being a Christian doesn't negate your humanity.
0: Right. And the psychological constructs behind that's right. what builds
1: hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I really think that the very nature of the Christian faith is centered in hope. Yeah. Um, but in a way that hope is a result discovered in peace.
0: Mm.
1: So, you know, if, if you feel you're stuck and you feel like I just need some hope, somewhere yeah. under... Neath all of that is, I've got to have enough peace in my life that I can begin to discover hope. Yeah. You know, I don't know how psychologically accurate that is, but from a theological perspective, that's absolutely true.
0: Well, I think we're going to talk about that today and just how anxiety actually can, can kind of mute our sense of hope.
1: I bet just, this is probably a good time just to launch into it. I, I would imagine you have some uh, psychotherapy understanding <laughs> of what we're getting at. Because I think as, as, as people of faith, mm-hmm. we really need to grasp hold of what we can learn in the world of psychology yeah. to understand that you can seek after, you can discover, and you can sustain hope. But it is often relative to what you're experiencing day by day by day.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, God created us body, soul, and spirit. So exploring um, parts of our body and parts of our our soul, our emotions, and our mind can be really helpful in integrating this. And so the neuropsych world, they actually identified what most would say was the most hopeful finding of modern psychology, Mm. when they discovered that the actual structure of our brains are made to change and adapt. Mm. So in the past, there was this very hopeless belief that once our brains are formed, that's just what what we have to work with. So if you had a bad childhood... Sucks for you. Kind is of what thing. it is, right? Yeah. Now, what they found through screening and imaging is that that is not the case. Um, we've discussed this concept before this concept of neuroplasticity. Right. What that means is that our brains um, will, at a, on a structural level, they change over time, they grow, we can actually develop new pathways on how we think. And so, this means that not only can we develop hope when it was once not there, but even if we have the smallest shred of hope we can actually grow that hope into a measurable amount and that can change the course of our future
1: absolutely but i love the concept that you can grow that mm-hmm. because we were created with the ability within our brain mm-hmm. to change and adapt yes to grow mm-hmm. and that means we can grow in our hope mm-hmm. so when when we hear about all that's happening in the world.
0: A lot. Yeah,
1: I mean, it doesn't matter what your source of news is every day, there's a greater degree of crime, mm-hmm. more info on a pandemic, you know, failures of governments or leaders or institutions or it doesn't matter whether public or private. It it our hope I think takes a hit. Yeah. It's like, golly, are we living in a world that's just we're we're doomed for failure. Yeah. But at the end of the day, hope is a necessity. Right. I mean, it's like oxygen. We desperately need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King once said, There is no love without hope, no hope without love, and neither hope nor love without faith. Hmm. Faith, hope, and charity. To live without hope is to cease to live. Hmm. I mean, uh, I lo- I, mean, I I could listen or read Dr. King's thoughts Non, you I mean nonstop? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm captivated by what an incredible you know person and leader he was. But this comment on hope really captures me. It is, um, it is to live without hope is in, is is to cease to live.
0: Yeah, well, that's so true, Chuck. Because when somebody comes into my office and they are having a desire to not live,
1: mm-hmm.
0: one of the core emotions, one of the core states of being that they're experiencing is hopelessness yeah i mean truly when we look at this from just a a practical standpoint if you do not have hope then you do not have a future right yeah
1: so i guess when i put it in a personal level i've I've been transparent with you there was a time in my life where honestly i considered taking my life Mm. and at the core of it um it wasn't Relationships. It Mm -hmm. wasn't money. It wasn't Mm -hmm. a job. You know Mm -hmm. what it came down to in at the core when the therapist helped me Mm -hmm. was Chuck. You got there because you had convinced yourself that things were never going to be different.
0: Yeah, the hope was gone. Yeah.
1: So Mm -hmm. when when we believe that things are never going to be better than they are, Mm -hmm. hopelessness is just like a weighted blanket laid over top of us. Yeah and and it weighs on everything so when, when when i've heard you say julie that um we have the ability to with this thing you call neuroplasticity mm-hmm. i can't even say that without messing it up <laughs> but um it's it's the concept that we we were born and created with such a way that we can change the nature of how we think therefore how we act
0: yeah
1: and i've heard you use the the concept of you're in a four-wheeler and you're out in the country, you're driving through, let's call it a wheat field, and you have a well-worn path, and that's the way you always go. Mm-hmm. And then one day you think, oh, I bet there's a shorter route. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. So we cut across the field. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, the, the wheat and the tares are just smashing our face there's and blood in our knuckles. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's painful. But after about four times, mm-hmm. five times, whatever mm-hmm. that is, we've created a new path, mm-hmm. which gets us to wherever we're going more quickly, more more efficiently, and often more happily.
0: Right, right. And, you know, I talk about neuroplasticity quite a bit in my practice, and I think sometimes it can feel like it's being talked about overly you know, so much, but really what I'm doing there is I'm building that new neural pathway that there is an opportunity for change, um, that you can change your brain. And there is a hot research topic in psychology and psychiatry right now that relates to hope and neuroplasticity and just the way the brain works, and it's called trait optimism. Hmm. So it's been researched quite a bit, and essentially what it is, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's the trait of being optimistic. Now, not blind optimism, but optimistic in terms of taking into account what you see, but having this belief that you can expect something positive in the future. Yeah. So yeah. consistent evidence has demonstrated that having this trait actually has a clear effect of reducing anxiety. And we talked about earlier, anxiety can often limit your ability to be hopeful because you're always thinking of the worst mm-hmm. possible thing that mm-hmm. could happen versus best. So more than a few researchers have actually taken these imaging scans of people's brains. Okay, so they did these things called fMRIs. And what they found was that those who tend to live in this hopeful state, they actually have increased gray matter volume, which basically means more brain.
1: Yeah, yeah. When I hear gray matter, I think I want more of that yeah. <laughs> because I have, meaning more of my brain is active. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. That's
0: exactly what it is. And they found that there's more of this gray matter volume in an area of the brain called the orbital frontal cortex. We'll just call it the OFC. What's important about this check, without all of the jargon, is that that area, when there's more gray matter there, you actually have decreased anxiety. So, in simple terms, hopeful people's brains are cushioned against anxiety on a structural level. Wow. So in in plain English, we could say this, hope creates some of these neurochemical states that actually shield the brain from the worst effects of some of those chemicals or neurotransmitters Mm -hmm. that are produced by anxiety. And because of that, it actually gives rise to a more emotionally regulated behavior. So hope has a direct Hmm. effect on our brains and our behavior.
1: Yeah. So uh, when when I hear that up close and personal, I, I love it to such a degree because hope is something that we can direct our mind and our soul to experience. Mm-hmm. And in my less than scientific understanding, our brains, when seeking and discover discovering a, like a, a new neuro pathway leading to, to hope, in in a weird kind of way, what I hear is that our brain rewards the rest of us, <laughs> right? With yeah. protections from anxiety.
0: Well, hope does activate the reward systems of the brain.
1: Wow. Okay, now that's um, that's more than I knew, but it would make me say then much of our life can be directed toward finding hope.
0: Mhm. Yeah.
1: And but it, there is some intentionality to it, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm learning more and more that when we connect faith and psychology, that so much of both are lead us to daily, almost moment by moment, having an intentionality for what we are attempting to achieve, become, do, activate, whatever. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. all of the you know neural pathways are are. Um, built by what we put our attention toward.
1: Yeah. So we have to be intentional about that. So with all of that, it seems that hope and peace are intertwined on so many levels. And in faith, it can be said that Jesus, our living hope, can bring to us a peace that passes all understanding, Yes. a peace that can swallow up anxiety. Mm. But not to be a buzzkill here, because the faith people are like, yes, that's right. But at the end of the day, most of us need help. To get there, yeah. We, I don't do that on my own. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, and I don't think it's because of an intellect issue. Mm-hmm. I think oftentimes it's just the, the routines of our day need somebody to help disturb that.
0: Yeah, in a so, positive yeah, way. Yeah, so
1: we can stop and really begin to say, but I, things can be better. Oh yeah, I do have hope. Yeah. And then there's awareness, and the aha that comes from that is, okay, wait a minute, I'm not wallowing in either some type of pity. Or in, in some I'm stuck location mm-hmm. forever.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting because hope actually runs along a spectrum. So, like hmm. you said earlier, it's not something you either have or you don't, it's something you, you can build. And the question that I asked myself when researching this and, and experiencing it in my office, you know, because one of a therapist's main goals is to help clients build hope. Right. I asked myself the question how do you build hope? where there seems to be none. Right. And secondarily, once you have a tiny bit of hope, how do you grow hope that is small Hmm. into a larger sense of hope? I love that. Now, I spoke about this. We kind of talked about this earlier, but two core features that we measure depression by um, are helplessness and hopelessness. Mm. So if a client walks in and says they feel helpless, they feel hopeless, they've lost pleasure and all the things they used to enjoy, those are all red flags for me that we need to do some further screening for depression. But what I find interesting is that helplessness and hopelessness are actually quite connected. Mm. So when we feel helpless, or the term that you use, which I think a lot of people relate to feeling stuck, Hopelessness isn't far behind, okay? So helplessness leads to a sense of
1: Yeah, so helplessness, helplessness I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. Hopelessness, I'm always going to be stuck.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And so when psychologists help clients move toward hope from like a thought change approach, this is what we call CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. What we do is we focus on the areas where clients have adopted a mindset of helplessness And we work with them to identify their strengths that could be useful to effectuate change in whatever particular Hmm. area they feel helpless. So if they can't identify any current strengths, because this will happen sometimes. let will see. what are some right. of your strengths? I don't have any, nothing's going for me. I can't think of anything. If that happens, then we pull from past strengths. If they can't identify those, we may ask about what someone who believes in them, let's mm-hmm. say their mom or a friend, yeah. what would they say your strengths are? If there's no social support at all, we start at the beginning. And that is the fact that they are even in the counseling room at this moment Mm. means that they have the strength to make a change in their lives. Now, this isn't limited to therapists. All of us can do this, right? All of us can reach into the lives of our friends and family in the right right moments when it's welcomed. And we can be sort of hope detectives trying to figure out and pull out Hmm. the areas of strength that can help people move from being stuck to having a sense of hope.
1: So it keeps coming back to some degree of intentionality, mm. and it comes back to the fact that our brains are wired in such a way that we can seek after and we can find measures, maybe not complete. You know, I'm just wow. I'm full of hope.
0: Right. Because Takes m- time.
1: My, you know, I f- I feel like my my degree of hope in life, uh, it varies a lot based on the circumstances of almost my daily activity. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know. But um, it has been years since I've felt so stuck mm-hmm. that there was no hope. Mm-hmm. And some of that has come because uh, there was, in, in my stuckness, if you will, mm-hmm. I knew that I didn't possess in my immediate relationships mm-hmm. someone that could help me get beyond that. Yeah. So I sought help, and a therapist is what helped me. Mm-hmm. And I would just encourage people, and I know we say this a lot on here, and I I probably tend to lean too much on my personal experience in regard to it, but the more I talk with people, the more I realize what a powerful role it is to stop and know I can seek help because in another voice in my life, I can become helped Mm -hmm. and I can find hope. Mm -hmm. So I've been captivated this week, Julie, uh, and every time uh, you and I go off on another topic, I... All of a sudden I start going down rabbit trails, learning all kind of things. And so this term, mirror neurons, mm-hmm. has been captivating to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I am fascinated mm-hmm. by this now. Yeah. Because okay, I'm just gonna be this is way off topic, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Okay. So, like when a guy like me gets weirded out about why the American church is so whacked out, uh-huh it is because we mirror the wrong things.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Right? Like yeah. so could we mirror the life of Christ, Christ yeah. not the superstar preacher, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's just uh, that's another topic. <laughs> mirror neurons that modulate their activity both when an individual executes a specific motor act and when they observe the same or similar act performed by somebody else. Hence the mirror. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like in a conversation and I read this story in a book you and I both read where uh, a a lady she leans in towards someone mm-hmm. and she brings her voice down to a yeah. more, you know, calm level and the person in the room mirrors that. Right. It's it's like talking with children, right? So yeah. if if your kids are going bananas,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the best way to combat that is not for you to be louder. No. But to get softer.
0: Yeah. Well, and we say be a thermostat not a thermometer. There you go. Yeah. Don't don't match their intensity. Set the temperature. Yeah, that is lower. so good.
1: So Julie, how do we um how can we utilize these mirror neurons to reflect and model hope once being with people that have a true sense of hope meaning there's got to be a willingness to try to begin a relationship with someone mm-hmm. that I look in their life and I say boy they they seem like they're just exuding this hopefulness.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I do. I I want to go back to something you said about your experience and, and realizing that there was nobody in your immediate circle that could support you and going to see a therapist. And I think in many ways, the role of a therapist, and I find this true in my practice, our role is to hold hope for the client until they can hold it for themselves. Wow. And I can't tell you how many times I've gently asked permission to a client, like I've said, can will you allow me? Hmm. I know it feels hopeless right now. I know that you can't see a different alternative. I do see one, will you allow me to hold hope for you until you can hold it hmm. for yourself? And I think when you've been let down so many times, yeah. having hope about much of anything, it feels a bit dangerous it feels scary. And so I want to enter into that with clients and let them know that they're not doing it alone. Yeah, and this yeah. can happen not just in the therapy room. We can do this through those mirror neurons right. with the people in our lives. You know, if they are feeling hopeless, you know, hmm. we could do the same thing. We can validate the fact that things are hard and things are right. difficult and we can't necessarily understand what they're going through, but we can get curious and mm-hmm. ask them if they would be open to hearing a potential opportunity for the story to end yeah. in a different way. Yeah. And then they start to kind of see, okay, even though I can't see this for myself, those mirror neurons, they connect. Mm-hmm. With the other person, and they can sort of start to move into a new, more hopeful perspective. Yeah.
1: So once again, you can easily see the parallel between faith and psychology.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because in the Christian faith, Jesus in a million ways holds our hope. Right. Uh, but his desire is that we learn to carry and embrace it ourselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, we, f- we find our hope. And it's weighty to think that as a therapist or as a pastor, at times, it is part of our job to carry or hold that hope mm. for them. You know, it's like you've given me gold bars that I'm going to. I'm, you're entrusting something so sacred to me, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. I, I think I, I think that was my path out of my hopelessness. Mm. That somebody held my hope for me when mm-hmm. I couldn't see it, but gently shared it back to back me to with mirror neurons. That gave me a hope through neuroplasticity, mm-hmm. not even knowing what I was doing.
0: Right. Yeah, and it's all happening. Yeah, but it's surface. all
1: going on. And I, I just think that's it's, what a beautiful way to discover a more hopeful journey
0: yeah well, and you know hope starts with the courage to consider this question: What if my perspective is limited mm-hmm. right? I, I think I see how this is going to play out, but what if the future I'm imagining is not the only option right? you know, choosing right. hope, it's the ultimate act of I would say both humility and courage, so mm-hmm. there's humility to consider that your perspective may be limited. Um, and there's courage to consider a more hopeful alternative.
1: Yeah. So uh, I want us to stop right here. Let's put a pin in the conversation today. I, I loved your statement that hope starts with the courage to consider, what if my perspective is limited? Mm-hmm. This seems, at least in just my personal experience and hundreds of times in my office, to support that we need someone to help us discover a new perspective. I know it sound like a broken record here, but our humanity screams for certainty, and it often runs from ambiguity, but much of life is in this world that is ambiguous,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so can you give us a view of where we start when we sense that we're stuck? We're feeling hopeless and often helpless. Mm-hmm. So when we start, what where would you give us this? okay, here's here's my word of encouragement as Julie, here this is the this is the steps that I think you ought to wrap your head around.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it starts with if if I were saying this to a friend or to a client, Um, or to a family member. I think it starts with validating the pain that somebody's in. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't tend to move out of our place of pain until we feel like it's um, valid and understood, at least a little bit. Um, But if you're listening today and you feel utterly hopeless Mm -hmm. and maybe you feel like things will never change for you because let's say you've tried before or you just think I have too many factors stacked against me i invite you to take a very very tiny risk with us Mm -hmm. right now right so i invite you to entertain the possibility even for just a moment that there might be more to your situation than you can see at this moment right allow for some alternate endings in whatever hopeless story you've told yourself. Hmm. You don't have to know what that alternate ending may be. I think sometimes we, we don't allow for an alternate ending because we don't know what it might look like. Yeah, and We're scared of that. Um, you don't have to know what it, how it ends, but just know that there is a possibility hmm. of this looking different. Now, here's why this is important. When we do that, actually begin a new neural pathway, a new path in the woods. And even if it feels forced at first, that's okay. Even if your skepticism quickly comes up with five reasons that you're just foolish for hoping that things could be different, you've taken the first step toward a new hopeful path in your brain, Mm -hmm. which will in turn translate into your life. Now, the more times you entertain that hopeful possibility, even if it's small, the stronger that pathway will grow, yeah. Your hope will grow, and you will actually start to believe it, to the point where at some point you might even believe it wholeheartedly. Yeah. Because this is just Chuck. It's how the brain works, and this is just one small way that we can build
1: up hope. Oh, I, I, I mean, sitting here, I feel just encouraged, just to think about this. So you, 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 you don't have to know the exact ending of the narrative you don't have to know all the details about the alternate ending, Mm -hmm. but you can grab hold of the truth that it is possible.
0: Yes. Possibility. Yeah.
1: And that possibility exists for you. Yes. Not just for someone else in the room or somebody that you admire. Mm -hmm. It can happen for you. Mm -hmm. Once again, psychology teaches us over and over how incredibly powerful our creator made our brain. Right. It has the ability to, as Paul puts it, to renew and see, hence discover a new and better way. Mm -hmm. You know, Friends many many of us can experience hope through your faith, but most of us need a little help in getting unstuck
0: mm-hmm.
1: Julie I uh, I love that this teaching and this understanding and my encouragement to everybody today is don't don't settle for being stuck
0: mm-hmm.
1: because there is a better alternative ending yeah that isn't limited to what you see yeah and it's not limited to what you believe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I've become such a big believer, uh, like in my own personal meditative time, mm-hmm. to sit and reflect. This sounds for the for the faith folks that listen are going to think like, "Holy cow, Chuck! For a pastor, that sounds like not cool." Mm. You know, but I think to myself. Literally, I, I, I try to speak out loud in my meditative time to myself after I've spoken with, with God, but, right. but in my own, what is, what is the desired outcome by 9 p.m. tonight? Mm-hmm. And what are the things that have to occur in my life to ensure that I've done everything I can for that outcome? Mm-hmm. I know that sounds silly. And if you're, if, if you're a listener today and you're like, Chuck, do you know how busy I am? I don't have, I can't mm-hmm. sit there and ponder these things for an hour. Mm-hmm. Well, just in fairness, n- I don't either. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I've ever pondered on over anything for an hour. <laughs> no, you
0: never. know,
1: but I will say I, I probably take a good. Seven or eight minutes Mm -hmm. every day, Mm -hmm. and walk myself through my desired outcome. Okay, just in instance today. Mm -hmm. So, in my meditative time this morning, I pray, I read Mm -hmm. the scriptures. Mm -hmm. I always have three things I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. This is the usual, Mm -hmm. but I pray for whoever is on my schedule. Mm -hmm. So, this morning I prayed for you, prayed for your family. You, you know, um, I have other meetings today. I prayed for those folks. Mm -hmm. I have a good friend in the neighborhood, you know, battling cancer. I pray for Mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. Um, But then. I sat there and I thought, what is the de- desired outcome? Because my day doesn't end today until about 10 p.m. Oh, wow. You know, what is the desire? I wanted at 10 p.m. to call my wife coming home from where I'll be to be able to say, you know, I had a good day
0: mm-hmm.
1: because uh, my emotions I kept in check. Mm-hmm. My feelings didn't run my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel hopeful because tomorrow is going to be a good day. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to get home and it be peace-filled and restful. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you're saying this because you're spelling out what researchers have found is helpful in building hope. And it's not just um, to have a new perspective, but it's actually to identify some areas where you can actually effectuate yeah change yeah which is what you're doing right by listing all that out And 7 to 8 minutes that's about as much time as it would take to listen to NPR so yeah. it seems yeah. a little you know
1: and uh, you know it, it I guess when you say 7 or 8 minutes I think a lot of listeners would say well then that's that I don't have 7 or 8 minutes <sighs> and I guess what I've learned is I can't afford not, not to have to. 7 or 8 minutes yeah. because yeah. I don't when I don't do this like I get in a rush mm-hmm. I'm running late I just blow it off mm-hmm it truly affects the outcome of my day.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the seven or eight minutes that shift the next seven or eight hours.
1: There you go. Yeah, I like, I like it that way. So for all of you that listen, thank you. It means a lot to Julie and myself that you would take the time to listen in and continue to share. We're, we're experiencing a very cool growth and just are grateful for that because y'all are the ones that make it happen so thanks so much for joining us on this week's positive talk podcast and as always uh julie and i have a desire to merge faith and psychology believing we can all live a far more peace-filled and purposeful life so we'll be back next week and we're going to talk a little bit more about hope and remember you can always find all of season one and season two on the positive talk podcast website which is positive and you can follow us on instagram at Positive Talk podcast. Thanks, Julie. And thanks so much for all of our listeners for being a part of the Positive Talk family. God bless you. Have a great week.
0: Thanks again for joining us for this week's episode of the Positive Talk podcast. Julie and Chuck will be back next Thursday with another positive conversation as they merge faith and psychology. Have a great day. And as always, go in peace.